The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. All are welcome. We're glad you found us. Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. It's time for a different take on spirituality for the modern world. Welcome to Big Universe with Jim Lefter. Hi there, and welcome to Big Universe on Unity Online Radio. I'm Jim Lefter. I'm your host for today, kind of a spiritual journeyman and media consultant. I run a website with online courses called youthrivehere.com, and I'm at the Center for Spiritual Living Greater Baltimore at cslgreaterbaltimore.org. Joining me today is my friend and co-host, Spiritual Rebel, Sarah Bowen. Sarah's the author of Spiritual Rebel, a positively addictive guide to finding deeper perspective and higher purpose. Hi, Sarah. How are you today? I'm so excited. I grew asparagus in my yard, Jim. Asparagus? Is that I... is that a connection between spirituality and health? Well, it might be because I used to have a really, really, really terrible diet. And when we all, you know, got stuck at home 14 months ago or so, uh, Sean and I decided to do some gardening and I started growing asparagus, but I didn't know that it didn't come up immediately. That's how, (laughs) that's how my knowledge of growing my own food was, but it came up. So I just had a delicious lunch of purple asparagus. That sounds awesome. Are you going to continue to uh, farm, you know, do farm to table on your own? I'm going to continue to encourage Sean to do farm to table. (laughs) He seems to have the green thumb. We've got arugula and lettuce and and all sorts of stuff going. I don't know. I'm, I'm better with critters and he's better with plants, but, but I am encouraging it because it's so nice to go to your own backyard and like pull up salad. Like that's true. That's true. Who knows? Now, you know, we've had a, uh, I just talked to my wife the other day about this, but we had a, a plant that's it been in our house. I think it was a, a mint plant. And uh, it was sitting on the ceiling, not on the ceiling. It was sitting on the ledge, the window that's ledge. That's some plant. Yeah, that would be. <laughs> it was sitting on the window ledge and it died like a long time ago, but it was still sitting there. The remains of it were still sitting there. And I finally asked my wife the other day, you know, can we get rid of that? Or is there some sentimental reason it's sitting there? And and so we finally made the decision, since it's dead already, <laughs> there's nothing there. We can throw it out. And I, I, I feel you, Jim, on this. I really do. Because, you know, plants are living beings. And so there's that, that little bit of a, I'm not exactly, although we don't talk to them the same way we do to cats and dogs and, and that kind of thing. But what do we do when they die? So what did you do? Um, we didn't do any ceremony or anything like that. We just decided it was it was done. It was part of a 
uh, uncluttering, I would say, of our kitchen area. So I think it will be at peace now. We have a place in the backyard where I put any little mice who don't make it, you know, in their uh, their fight with the cats. Uh, but I've started to put plants there when they die. So I just kind of take the plant out and I stick it in the backyard and I say, I'm so sorry about my terrible, terrible gardening. And then I hope perhaps it, you know, springs back to life. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. But it is a challenge, but it has been helpful to, you know, to really get a little more connected to what I eat and not, you know, just a box of vegan ho-hos. There are vegan ho-hos? There are vegan ho-hos. They aren't called ho-hos, but yeah, they exist. I had no idea. I'm going to have to look for those. I will send you a box, Jim. That would be awesome. You know, I've actually, I'm moving towards a more vegetarian diet. You know, I've sort of made the decision. I, I'm not going to pretend that I'm going to be entirely vegetarian, at least for a while, but I'm moving there because I do feel the the need to go in that direction. So vegan ho-hos, I'm into that. Well, I think this has to do with, you know, what we're talking about today, too, on, on the show, this idea of how do our how does spirituality and wellness and diet and health and how do all of these relate? And they have to. And I think when we get a little more consciousness about how our food is created, many of us will start to make other decisions about, you know, like the way I was raised in the 70s, on you know, everything came out of a frozen bag or a can. And, you know, we can see what that did to, to health for generations where food wasn't as nutritious for us. And we can see how much the earth is hurting from the ways that we've industrialized agriculture. So all of these are good things to have awareness. We don't have to be perfect, Jim. We don't have to be perfect, but having awareness about it is, is a good first step. I think you're right. I think that right. You're right. And the more that uh, many of us take these steps to be more conscious, I think the more important it is to, to our, our world and to our spirituality. Are you ready for our quotes? I am. You go first. I've been, I've been on a stream of really long quotes, so I promise for next week I'm going to end up with something that's like three words. But until then, here's what I've got. Like never before in the history of humanity, we are becoming aware that what we do to a part, we do to the whole. That the parts will not be well as long as the whole is neglected. And that the whole will not be well if the parts are neglected. Wellness is found not in isolation, but in relationship. Oh, I like that. How appropriate for today's episode, too. Yeah, that's John Philip Newell in a book called A New Harmony. Oh, interesting. I thought you were going to say John Philip Sousa for a second there, and I was... Oh, I should have. Didn't he play the tuba, right? He did. And because he... yesterday, I was in New York City for the first time in a very long time, uh, and there was a guy standing in the middle of the street playing a tuba. Wow, that's that's unique. You don't see that very often. No, just by himself. And I kind of felt like the tuba needed to be in relationship with others, <laughs> to go back to my quote. It was, <laughs> it was a little odd, just tuba only. But there you go. Jo any John Philip. There you go. There you go. All right, here's mine. Nothing binds you except your thoughts. Nothing limits you except your fear. And nothing controls you except your beliefs. Oh, are you hitting us with Ernie today? I am not. This is Marianne Williamson. Oh, okay. I like that. I like it too. Speaks to me. What what speaks most to you, Jim? 
Well, I think we definitely put limits on ourselves. And, you know, I know myself that, you know, fear can get in the way. And it's really just my thinking and my thoughts that are preventing me from doing the things that I need to do. And so taking a step to realize that I have choices and that I can take a different direction if I choose to and think more clearly, I think that's a good thing. I think there's a book in you, Jim. We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> Wise sageness. We'll see. <laughs> All right. Are you ready to jump into the episode? Let's do it. Funniest thing guy, Ed Biagiotti, joins us with a new segment. Hello, everybody. It's Edward Biagiotti, and I am the co-host of Funniest Thing with Daryl and Ed on Unity Online Radio. And it is a pleasure to be with you today on Big Universe to talk about supporting others. Of course, the first rule of thumb with supporting others is that we must support ourselves. Having some form of daily morning routine that involves meditation, inspired reading, and affirmative prayer for me is just as essential as brushing my teeth or any of the other things that I do throughout the day to support myself. Because once I get in touch with myself and see the truth of who I am, it becomes a whole lot easier to be true to others and to see the truth of who they are when they might be struggling with limiting beliefs or challenges that seem overwhelming. When I feel connected to myself, it's so easy to tap into the truth of another person. I, I believe it was Carl Rogers who said that empathy is like, is going with someone completely and feeling what they're feeling all the way up to the point where we don't believe that we're going through it ourselves, where we can see, we can feel what someone else is going through but we're not getting so caught up in it that we're getting dragged sort of down into that vibration of struggle. We're still able to maintain the truth of who we are and the truth of the person that we're supporting. So when we remember who we are and then see someone in that light of truth, that is, I have found that that is the most effective way to support others. Have a great day. And uh, it's always a pleasure to be with you on Big Universe. Here's Martha Creek with a Unity Moment. Hi friends, it's Martha Creek, marthacreek.com to contact me. I am here to serve those who are serving the world. So I know that this will bring some type of inspiration to you and a new idea, some kind of new spark, a new igniting of your own soul. This series is based on resilience, the innate inherent quality of resilience and how to dial it up how to up-level, how to even grow our resilience. And in this segment specifically today, so there's another eight segments or so, check them out if you can. And this one today is about for resiliency matters and for, for growing resilience to value humor, to utilize humor. And it, it's, it's not overrated. You know, the brain scientists teach us that any capacity for playfulness any capacity for lightheartedness is evolutionary steps, higher consciousness than our lower, more dominant, reptilian, reactive brain. This is why I tease that people had rather spend time with their dogs and their cats than they had with people because they're more enlightened. They have, they're in a higher consciousness. The good news is we have access to that higher consciousness and utilizing humor and playfulness, lightheartedness is a way to do it. So then specifically then find ways to play. 
Find ways to slow down. Find ways to just have a delight to end your day. For me, it could be watching, pausing for just a few minutes and watching the birds at the feeder. It could be uh, getting out uh, a mandala and some crayons that the, the children use that come to my house or colored markers or pens or pencils and coloring a postcard uh, that has an inspiring message on it to send out to somebody. So I'm dual effect here. And one of the other segments is it was about giving. So I get to play in art and play in colors to make a gift to send somebody off in the mail as a postcard to have some fun with that. It can be also um, chilling out, um, taking a walk. So whatever is fun that brings some lightheartedness to this. For me, it has been um, letting, to, when things get tense and serious, trying to find a way to have a little joke in there. Now, this is a slippery slope for some because it's not sarcasm and not using sarcasm, but humor. So when I used to get in a difficult situation with this one friend I had, when I could see that communication was breaking down and we're getting off the rails a little bit, I would have this response that I would say to him, which is, sweep the steps. And we would both laugh out loud because we knew what that was, because there had been a, a serious um, c confusion and a miscommunication and some hurt feelings around an episode where somebody was supposed to sweep a certain um, stairway and they didn't. And he got in trouble for it because he believed they did. And they had swept another stairwell. So they didn't realize they hadn't done what was asked of them. So just to have a little less seriousness. So seriousness is a symptom of anxiety. So how to just take a breath and put a little play, a little fun in it, to have a little fun. That includes doing something consciously that you find delight in. Something that actually makes you happy. Only you know what it is. So people have written books about it. That's what makes them happy. What is it that would make you a little more lighthearted today? A little more playful today? All for your well-being, all for your well-being, all for you developing resiliency. I'm happy thinking about you, knowing that this empowered teaching is out into the world makes me happy, and I got to play at it. MarthaCreek.com to contact me. Blessings. And now it's time for our interview. Kalia Kelmanson is a curator of well-being and has been in the health and wellness field for over two decades. She founded Maui Mind and Body to support women in the second half of their lives to be fit and energized for the adventures that lie ahead. Kalia loves exploring the fascinating intersection of mind-body well-being and sharing inspiration for wellness practices from the research emerging from this intriguing field. She is the former editorial director of Spirituality and Health magazine. Welcome to Big Universe, Kalia. How are you today? I'm fabulous. Thank you for having me. It's so great to have you on. Now, you know that uh, every guest that comes on, especially if they're from Maui, is required to invite us to come over and stay in Maui. Is that okay? Consider this an open invitation. And does e that- Como mai, as we say here on Maui. <laughs> <laughs> and that, by the way, applies to all of our audience too. So you're going to get course. a lot of visitors. Well, two at a time. <laughs> we don't want to inundate the island. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. There are only two of them out there. So, yeah. <laughs> well, I'm curious to, you know, dive into this with you. And um, you worked at Spirituality and Health Magazine for many years. So why don't we start there? Um, why do you think 
what do you think is the relationship between spirituality and health and how does that affect us? Well, it's interesting because the, the magazine was founded, um, gosh, it must be about 25 years ago to specifically look at how spirituality affects health. So what is that connection? And it's been, you know, it was a really interesting journey to be on that path of looking at the various places where spirituality and health intersect. Um, And I think that they're inextricably intertwined. I don't think you can have true health without feeling connected to something bigger than yourself. What is that connection like for you? How do you get into that spiritual place or, or how do you see spiritual spirituality? For me, it's very much nature-based. So when I'm feeling um, either run down in my health or in my soul, if I can get in the ocean or if I can go hiking into the forest and just let myself be completely immersed in that experience and open myself up to just the bigger world we live in instead of being so isolated in my own little bubble of um, whatever's going on in that moment. That's how I connect. And during this whole pandemic thing, you've been able to still go out into nature. So we're not stuck inside to do this kind of thing. No, I mean, living on Maui was one of the greatest gifts um, during this time because there was, there was somewhere to go and there was just hardly anyone ever there wherever you went you know that's an interesting question too that that comes up for me Kalia is you know in your work have you seen a difference between what wellness or health looks like in urban areas versus non-urban areas is that something that enters into this because I've been hearing that a lot from people in the pandemic like people who you know when you have four people living in a studio apartment versus you know families that are living out in the country or things like that have have you seen a relationship between the two well i think so and i think that's why there was such a mass exodus from urban centers during the pandemic because when you are um, encapsulated in four walls it's not that you can't access that place because i believe our imagination is an incredible untapped gift that we have um, for imagining yourself in a bigger Um, realm, you know, outside, you could have pictures of nature, you could have sounds of nature, you can bring those things in if you're not able to get outside. Um, But yeah, I think there is there's a big difference. to when it's accessible to you when out your front door. I'm curious about the evolution of um, spirituality and health in terms of, you know, do you see a difference now? with how people accept this kind of information versus, you know, perhaps a few years ago, has there been a change in that or has the core audience still been the same? I think our core audience is the same. Um, Generally they identify as spiritual, but not religious um, because a lot of people have turned away from the religion of their childhood or they've opened up to other possibilities. But I do feel like maybe in the last couple of years, uh, there has been a return to the religious communities um, that where people feel safe. Hmm. Interesting. So as the editorial director, you're kind of a, you were a gatekeeper, I think, for a lot of the information that your audience was getting. Can you tell us a little bit about how, 
how you decided what what made the cut. You know, that's something that's really interesting. There's so much information out now, and people are kind of curious about a lot of things. But how how did you decide what should be passed on? Oh, it was such an interesting process. Um, so I would start by going through the uh, front list uh, publishers and and just scanning through pages and pages and pages of books that were meant to be coming out. Um, and I have a very strong intuitive sense, so that that guided me through many layers of you know you know what was salient right now or what would be salient in three months <laughs> when the magazine was going to print. Um, and then it was just really a matter of looking at, um, you know, who these people were and what they were writing about and how they were writing about it and would it connect with the kinds of people that, you know, were in, are in our audience. What's the most surprising thing, or I could use other words, like the oddest, <laughs> the, the most curious, what, what oh my gosh. in your decade of, of doing all of this, what stands yeah. out as like, whoa. There were so many, and there were so many <laughs> levels of it. I mean, we would have uh, when our when our office was all together and we were a team in one room, we would have these pitch moments where I would be like, "Oh, you, I have to share this pitch because they were, you know, you can't even believe what we would get." But um, one that stood out for me was a couple years ago, and this is probably because I'm a surfer. But there was a time when um, all these pictures were surfacing of these divers swimming next to great white sharks. And it was, it, it stirred something in me because of course we all know there are sharks in the ocean. Um, but it was this, this story that came up and, and, and this is often how things would happen. So there would be an intersection of a, you know, a news story and then all of a sudden a book would show up and I got the opportunity to interview a woman named Kayleigh Grant, who's here in the Hawaiian Islands. Um, and it was at the same time a book came up, up, out about the importance of sharks in our ocean ecosystem. And, you know, sharks had been vilified and made out to be these monsters of the sea, really, that they were just looking to eat anyone who came within their scope. <laughs> the and impact so of Jaws. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> Ex exactly, exactly. All you need is about two bars of that opening uh, sound. Uh, but I got to interview her and her, and much of her work is spent underwater swimming with these animals and she takes people and teaches them how to to actually interact with them in a way that, you know, they're, they're actually very curious creatures. So to interact with them in a way that, um, you know, make sure they don't get too curious about you. You can turn them away in certain ways. The way you orient yourself in the water is really important. But that was really, it was really surprising to me to kind of connect all of that and speak with someone who had spent time in the water with these incredible, incredible creatures. I know that when I worked on a show for A&E for, for a while, um, we did get letters from people that were thanking us for doing the work of Jesus and the aliens. And I wondered, and not to offend anybody who believes in that, but you know, I wondered how kind of what kind of far out kinds of contributions did you get from people? Were there anything really interesting like that? Oh, I mean, there were always there were always really interesting things, and um, you know, I mean, it it runs the gamut of just really bizarre, um, you know, food things and 
people believe in lots of things and they believe really passionately um, in them. And so it was this sort of process of, you know, okay, you're talking about the chakras. Okay, that's a really, that's a system that's rooted in, you know, in India. And um, yeah, anything super wacky, you know, nothing, <laughs> nothing's bubbling up right that's now. There fine. was so much. There was so much wackadoodle and so much information. I can't think of a great specific example right now. You make a you make a great point there, though, that, that you know, when we're in this field, when we're talking spirituality and health and wellness, I mean, this is a broad, broad topic. And people have all kinds of perspectives and thoughts and beliefs, and there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, that yeah. well, and look what's going on with UFOs now, Jim. Yes, we got to get in on that. That's all over. You're the right. News. But I wonder, you know, we have a lot of to get practical for a minute down down from from this. Uh, we have listeners who like like many spiritual folks journal or write or also have things that they're passionate about and aspiring writers, I suppose we could call them. And so I'm wondering, do you have any tips for people who are passionate about things, part of their advocacy or their work or their spirituality is wanting to share things? How, how does one get involved in writing for magazines or online websites or any tips that from your time doing this, you might pass on to our listeners? Yeah, so I would say uh, really important to spend some time on whatever channel you're hoping to pitch. So spend time reading the kinds of stories that they present um, so that you know you can come with a very clear idea of what they want and then read the guidelines the pitching guidelines, and then find a way to make your pitch super clear, not general. So really specifically address one, one thing. So if you're, you know, if you're pitching, don't just pitch everything you do, pitch one particular angle and make it suited to the channel that you're pitching. And on the flip side of that, what is the biggest mistake that you see writers make? Besides, of course, not using spell check, which I'm guilty of occasionally. But but beyond that, when people are trying to uh, to do spiritual writing, what mistakes do you see? Yeah, so, um, well, kind of an obvious one, but you would be surprised how often it happens is, you know, they're pitching you, but they forgot to change the name of, uh, you know, I, I really love the work you're doing and and on Huffington Post, but they're pitching spirituality and health. So and then they call you Fred. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. So, you know, just to read through the email one more time before you send it, make sure it's uh, sent to the person that you're meaning to send it to. Now, I know you're a writer, and I, I wondered how you prepare to write. You know, what helps you get into that space of writing? Um, so for me, generally, it's uh, doing something physical. I, it's kind of like shakes out that physical energy. I'll go for a, a hike in the forest or even just at the house, I'll do some yoga. Um, helps to just clear my mind before I sit down and uh, try to channel some thoughts. Well, I definitely want to have us dive into your spiritual community and your, your wellness community in Maui. We'll do that right after this break. We'll be right back on Big Universe on Unity Online Radio. We are spiritual beings having a human experience. Welcome to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world.
Welcome back to a slightly off-kilter look at spirituality. This is Big Universe with Jim Lefter. Welcome back to Big Universe on Unity Online Radio. So I'm, I'm curious about your Maui Mind and Body program that you, the community that you founded. Um, tell me a little bit about that. So Maui Mind and Body, I found that's actually how I got involved in spirituality and health. The editor um, at the time did one of my programs and she said, you need to come with me. And she brought me along. Um, it, it was founded, uh, I'm a health and wellness coach. So I create programs that help women get into their bodies, feel confident with themselves and really reclaim their health. Um, and since I left the magazine, I have opened up um, just to a broader audience, to a more uh, to a more global audience, and offering programs online. So, what do you think? What What is it about that particular kind of community that draws you, and why do you think that they need this sort of extra emphasis? Um, well, you know, women, especially after around the age of forty or forty five, have spent probably a couple decades um, focused on other people. So they're focused on their families, on their career, um, on any assortment of um, other things. And it's very easy to put yourself and your own health and well-being. Um, you know, women are very adaptive, so we can take on many roles, we can multitask, uh, so we think. Um, and it's easy to sort of just keep going. So it's important to have community as women especially, I think all of us need community, but there is something special that happens with women in community and uh, we support each other. We show up for each, each other, sometimes when we wouldn't even show up for ourselves. Now, is it a physical location or do you do it, you do it online virtually as well? I'm doing it online. Uh, I'm doing virtual programs now, yeah. Interesting. And, and we do it in person. So we'll often, you know, meet at the beach or up in the forest and it's a process of, talking and moving and exploring together. I think this is one of the things that in the culture that we have of spiritual but not religious, there is this kind of fierce independence of, you know, my spirituality is something that I do at home on my cushion um, or with my Bible, if I'm doing the Jesus and aliens version, Jim. Uh, but, you know, the idea that it is something that is individual very much. Mm -hmm. And I have noticed this, this, um, this great, great need for community spirituality. And I think that's what's what we missed when we moved out of churches and mosques and, and synagogues and things like that. So can you talk a little bit about the difference between individual spirituality, and what you find when people are in community together? Yeah, so, you know, especially coming out of this time with the pandemic when there was so much isolation and so much like, um, and I think it also exposed this vein that so many of us have that I can do this on my own, as you said, fiercely independent. And, um, and I think we're really recognizing that we actually need other people. We need connection to other people and we need connection to the natural world and to the rhythms and cycles that exist there. So this is not about coming to Maui so that I can do shopping and hang out on the beach. <laughs> that, 
That's what I'm hearing. Oh, here. I think that's part of it. I don't know. Maybe maybe there's a little bit of that, Jim, first to get ready. I mean, I, li I like to say choose your own adventure. There you go. Well, <laughs> I, I do know that, you know, that Maui is a community where tourism, you know, has is a big role. So I'm wondering uh, what is the role between, you know, kind of tourist spirituality uh, versus online spirituality and and how are those related? Um, yeah, so with the pandemic and the shutting down of the airports, people stopped coming to Maui. And so the roads were clear, the beaches were completely clear. We saw oceans recovering from um, the onslaught of people, but also the sunscreen that people would wear in the water that collects as a film across the top of the water. So fish populations came back. I mean, it was it was truly remarkable what happened. And now that tourism has returned, um, unfortunately, it was just sort of open the floodgates and let everyone in. And so a lot of people are feeling a little bit of shock around that. Um, and what I really wanna um, embrace with what I'm offering is that we do have a large wellness community here on the island. And so I wanna encourage people to tap into that and maybe it's not about coming to Maui. Maybe it's about supporting that wellness community from wherever the world in the world you are, but you can access that. You can access that vein of um, spiritual wellness from wherever you are, increasingly so. And what? Go ahead, sir. And what about water? Talk to me about water because water is around a lot of us. I know that water is important to you. If somebody feels a call to water, but can't get to Maui, um, how does one incorporate water spirituality into their lives? Yeah, so the, you know, oh, the ocean is kind of this incredible, you know, it's it wraps around the globe and also the percentage of the ocean on the globe, you know, corresponds with the amount of uh, fluid in our body and our fluids in our body correlates with this you know, salinity in the ocean. And so we are truly connected to the ocean. Um, and there's so many ways, really. It's, you can be around um, any body of water and if it's moving, you're getting the negative ions that are being released into the air. My mom used to describe those as kind of smoothing down all the hairs. I, I know you're a cat lover, Sarah. So it was sort of like, you know, when a, when a cat gets freaked out and all the hairs stick up, it's sort of like those negative ions just help kind of smooth everything down. Um, and they, it, it, the ocean and bodies of water impart this incredible feeling of health. So I know and you're, you, go ahead. No, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, I was just gonna say, and then you can, you know, you can put, salt lot salts in your bath and you can um, you can you know I think when you make it a ritual when you include water and you make it a ritual is when you can tap into that spiritual aspect of it now you're a certified health and wellness coach but I'm I'm not always sure what that means what does that mean sure so you know the coaching industry is interesting because it's uh, sort of exploded in the last I don't know 10 or 15 years um I went through a, a pretty rigorous training with it back in 2012. And so it's really about empowering people to create change in their life. So I use uh, science-based practices for inspiring change and um, really empowering my clients to 
take charge of themselves and to, to again, choose your own adventure, right? So they, they get to choose their path. It's much less prescriptive from my end. What does wellness mean to you in terms of the practice of what you guys do? You know, wellness is, um, the way I'm talking about it recently is, if you've spent time in the ocean, you know what a current is and you know what swimming against a current feels like, right? It's a struggle, it's, you're, you're doomed if you're struggling against the current. So for me, wellness is adopting habits and practices and rituals that get you in a current, right? This momentum that moves you towards health, which looks different for different people, but it generally involves you know, your vitality, how, you know, how you wake up in the morning, how you feel about your day, the energy that you carry with you, those kinds of things. I'm curious about your background, your spiritual background. Did you come from any particular philosophies or did this was a very open kind of perspective? I was not raised um, with any religion. I was always very curious. I did go to a, a Waldorf grade school, which is based on the anthroposophy. Um, my mom was was very, she would get very, she was studied anthroposophy deeply. She also studied astrology. Um, I went to Jesuit college. <laughs> so I was very, I've always been very curious. Um, and I've, I've, I've looked around in a lot of different places. Yeah. What made you decide to follow this path on, on being a certified health and wellness coach and coming into the kind of work and the subject matter? What, what, what made you decide this was a way for you to, to make a living and to also, you know, have this experience helping people? Um, so from really the earliest, from the youngest age, I can remember I wanted to be a doctor and I was on that path all the way through college. Um, I studied psychobiology and uh, it was after I graduated from college and returned to Maui and started talking to doctors and the whole HMO was coming in at that time and they were really miserable. I, you know, I wanted to help people feel healthy. And what I learned was that the medical model was based around, um, you know, avoiding disease. And so it sort of became the, I, I turned myself to the other facet of how can I support people in really finding their true health. It's interesting in the couple of answers that you've you've just given, Kalia, there's this beautiful um, use of the word science. And then there's also some conversation about spirituality. And we we find sometimes people have these things in opposition, right? If you're if you're um, you're addressing the body through science or you're addressing it through something else or you're addressing um religion through tradition or, or something else. Can you talk about the interaction for you between alternative or, or um, I don't know, what word are we using now? We used to use complementary medicine, but I guess it's holistic or alternative. Or Can you talk about the relationship? Because clearly I'm confused. <laughs> it's confusing. Um, well, so if, uh, I'll speak for me. Um, you know, with my science background, I was really into the science and I truly believe in science and it has a ton of value and growing up on Maui especially where I grew up which was upcountry the town of Mukawau crystals incense all of it um, and I would see these people would come in who were talking about spirituality 
And then, you know, I worked at a little cafe and they would come and order a veggie burger and they would be so mad and so mean to me when we didn't have a veggie burger. <laughs> so, that's so, so, that's so interesting. <laughs> so check out a, the vegans. Oh yeah, my I, mean, I mean, you know, it, I, I don't blame it on veganism, but it was just so it was it sort of turned me off to this idea of spirituality as a teenager, especially. I was like, I don't know what you think you're doing, but it's really not nice. Right. <laughs> um, so. Uh, it was it was really after college and I and I came home and I started surfing and I got um, exposed to uh, this intuition medicine and started studying that that I found my way to kind of the core of spirituality for me which you know which I experienced somatically I mean I really experienced the truth of it in my body so I do live in, in the dichotomy of it. I, I believe in the science-based practices. I know that they're valid. And I also deeply believe in our intuitive sense and being connected on a deeper level to something that maybe we can't measure with science and that's okay. How does intuition appear for you? How does it come to you? What's the sense that you get that, that is intuition? It's very somatic. So I feel it in my body and, and that's, yeah, much of the work that I, that I do with, with my clients is around, you know, learning how to listen to the whispers of your body, because when you listen to the whispers and you respond to those, you know, your body doesn't have to start screaming at you. I was going to say, I, I always listen when it's screaming and it's like yeah, stop well, sitting in that chair for six hours like that, Sarah. Yeah. I mean, we you... can't avoid it when, when it's screaming at us, we can't ignore it. But if you learn how to whisper and listen to the whisper, then it's like you're. So what's the first step? What is something that our listeners can do to start to tap into being able to hear those whispers or to be cultivating their intuition in this sense of health and wellness? Yeah, I think it's really just about spending some time every day, you know, listening and, you know, it can often help to close your eyes because when our eyes are open, it sort of overtakes all the other senses. We're like, oh, look at that. Oh, shiny object. Oh yeah, I need to do laundry, you know? So it's sort of like closing your eyes and, you know, a, just doing a practice of a body scan is a really great thing. And just going through, moving through your body, letting your attention be a spotlight that moves through your body and just noticing, becoming aware of the different sensations in your body. And then you'll start to, as you do that as a practice over and over, you'll start to notice how things shift and change and how your body's responding to stress or to, um, you know, a massage that you got or any of those things. Sometimes I forget I have a body. Mm -hmm. I'm told this all the time, right? Spending mm -hmm. all this time up in my head writing or, you know, spiritually, like kind of leaving the body, uh, but staying tethered. When you do a body scanner, when you're checking in with your body, do you start from the feet or do you start from the head? I generally start from the feet. I do. Yeah. And then you remember you have feet. <laughs> I do. And I, and I feel where that, what they're connected to the sensations that they have. Um, but to give you one, one other piece that's super helpful. Um, and it's, it actually is um, being talked about right now a lot is this idea of shaking. So get into your, getting into your body by shaking. So you can do that just by standing and kind of like shaking your body, shaking your arms. It, it grounds you in your body 
Um, and it's also, you know, what animals do when they've experienced stress is they shake, right? Hmm. So there's a, there's a fabulous book out. It's called Burnout, and it's by Emily and Amelia Nagoski. And they talk about completing the stress cycle with incorporating the shake. So if you shake or move your body or dance or however you want to move, it's a really fabulous practice for stress relief, but also for becoming or for remembering you have a body. <laughs> so if you're writing for a long time, just get, remember to get up and shake it out. <laughs> I like this. I haven't heard of this. So, and it, and it sounds really, really useful. How long am I supposed to shake? <laughs> I feel like I might need a boundary. Okay. So, you know, start with, uh, start with 30 seconds or start put on your favorite song. You know, it's, it's whatever feels most, uh, and this is what I always say to my clients, like start with the thing that feels most doable for you. And then you can see like, oh yeah, I really like that. I think I'm gonna shake for 90 seconds today, <laughs> right? If you need to like put a timer on and just forget about it until the timer goes off. So say I'm a 45 year old woman and there's no guarantee Jim. that I'm, yeah, just say it. And uh, I'm, I'm coming to you and, and starting this program. What's the first, how would you lead me into the process of better health and, and wellness? So I always start with um, helping you build a vision for, for what you want for yourself, because that's going to be our, um, you know, what we're moving towards and we want it to be compelling and we want, uh, I want you to have a really strong reason why you want to get get to that feeling. And for me, it's always that feeling sense. Like it's not about how you look, although that may be an entry point for you. But it's always about how you feel, how how you're showing up in in your life. So I understand that you're launching a new online course called Find Your Flow about getting back into your current well-being. Tell me a little bit about what's going on with that. Yeah, so that's that's uh, launching at the end of May, beginning of June, and you know, again, I was talking about the you know stepping into that current, and it's it's really about finding the momentum. Oftentimes, when we think about you know getting our health and well-being on track, it it just feels really complicated. Like, am I supposed to do keto? Am I supposed to do intermittent fasting? Do I have to do six thousand burpees a day? You know, people get really caught up in the in the details of what they think they're supposed to do. So I've, I've designed this program to just let you, you know, take doable step by doable step to slip into this current, which when you start adding these things together, they become much bigger than, you know, the sum of their parts. And you start to feel yourself being carried towards that vision of how you want to feel. So how does the virtual experience work for that? Oh, so it's, um, I, I provide, uh, you, you know, you can log into a portal and you get um, instruction from me, you get handouts, you get journal prompts, and it's this step-by-step -step process. So every week you get a new, it's a six-week program. Every week you get a new concept that you get to uh, invite into your day in a way that feels appropriate and doable for you. Awesome. So if there was one piece of advice or one tool that you would give our listeners to come away with, what do you think that would be? What would that, what would that be? Um, well, I'm going to give you two. 
if that's, that's okay. allowed. Yeah, we'll we'll let you have that. <laughs> um, and and they're they're in a similar in a similar realm. So, you know, I want it, I want people to think about what they're activating and what they're activating in their body, and also what they're activating in their mind. So, what where their awareness is. And then I really want to invite people to be curious, you know, to not, to not be stuck in one place with their blinders on, but to open up their um, looking around and being curious about how they feel and about how they're interacting and about how they're experiencing their own selves in their body. Those, those will uh, be great tools on the path to better health. Interesting. And beyond shaking, which I'm really excited about now, uh, what, you could do really, it now. I really does that am. include does that include like ice cream shakes and things like that, or is that a different kind of shaking? But I'm really I'm, kind I'm, of I can shake. I can do those. I can do those. I, I feel like we're gonna start doing a lot of shaking. But be, beyond beyond shaking, um, what are other things that you are curious about or excited about or things that you see right now kind of on the front of this um, field of spirituality and wellness? Um, you know, I think, I think a lot of it is, is going to be about connection and um, connection with others, connection with uh, nature, uh, connection with our own health. Um, and then I think the other big one is compassion hmm. and compassion for others and for the experience they're going through. And, you know, we've had so much division and separation that when we can start to open up and feel compassionate for another's experience, but also turning that compassion toward ourselves um, and being able to just not be so hard on ourselves, you know, not beat ourselves up so much. I just harking back to our earlier conversation about uh, about writing and uh, and publishing. I just wondered, what is your thought about self publishing versus publishing with a a mainstream publisher? Do you have a an opinion on that? You know, it's interesting because I am in the process of writing a book, so I've been kind of going deep into you know which way to go, and I've been talking to a lot of authors about what what they suggest. Um, and, you know, self-publishing is a, there's a learning curve. So if, if you're going to self-publish, uh, I think there's a, you know, on top of writing your book, there's a lot you have to learn about. It's a whole, you know, publishing as a business. So, um, and, you know, publishers, they, they're good at getting the word out and they, they know like the, the direction, you, you know, they, and, and they help, you know, having a great editor, which you, you know, will get with the publishing house, um, so, uh, you know, and I actually, and I have to say when, when people were bringing books to me, um, the self-published route was a more difficult route for me to share because it often wasn't packaged in a way that was easily accessible as a, as an editor for me. What do you mean by that? Um, they just hadn't, they hadn't, a lot of the books that I got, there was not, the message was not fine-tuned. I couldn't mm. really understand what they were talking about. That kind of thing. Mm -hmm. well, that's interesting. Well, I, and then my people do it well. So it's, it's mm -hmm. not that it can't be done well. I just think it's, there's a lot more learning involved in self-publishing. Very interesting. Well, thank you for taking us along on your journey here. We very much appreciate it. It's been great having you on the show. Thank you so much for having me. What a pleasure.
For more great information about Kalia Kelmanson, check out her website, MauiMindAndBody.com. For more great information about Sarah Bowen, go to Spiritual-Rebel.com. I've got premium video courses and help to create them on my website called YouThriveHere.com. Thanks, listeners. I'm Jim Lefter with Sarah Bowen. We'll talk with you next time on Big Universe on Unity Online Radio. So I have a question for you, Sarah. Why did I say Jesus and the aliens? Why did that even come into the conversation? I don't know. And then it came in for me, too. And I want to be clear to people that Jesus and the aliens are within my spiritual system. <laughs> and I'm okay with that. That's cool. I don't know if they make a good band, but, you know, it's a good band name, too. No, you know, I've been really interested lately in the idea of how do aliens come in with our spirituality? And I think we have... I don't know that we know. Well, so that's it's true. Very, it's very possible. And if Jesus is still out there doing what some people say Jesus is out there, doesn't it seem quite plausible that he would have connections with aliens? Well, I suppose when you put it that way, it's possible, yes. I have a road trip for us. We're going to New Mexico to the Very Large Array. Have you been to the Very Large Array? I have array? never been there. It sounds fascinating, though. Have you seen the movie Contact? I love that movie. So all those big dishes... We're going to go out there, listeners. We're going to get to the bottom of this. Jesus and the aliens. Plus a killer band name. Okay, maybe. strength than I've known I have within me greater talent to express more courage I can muster more faith that I can show oh I am ready turn it loose turn it on I'm gonna bring it on let it shine let it soar be brighter than before dance and sing do my thing I'm gonna Thanks for listening. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Hey, it's Radley Valentine. Join me for a brand new way of connecting with your angels on my new podcast, The Angel Tarot Show. Each week, you'll meet your angelic guides and guardians and find new ways to unlock unconditional love, tune into your intuitive abilities, and create the joy-filled life that, well, you've always wanted. Plus, you'll get a useful and timely energetic weather report, bringing you guidance for the coming week. Tap into the healing, hope, and guidance that's all around you on The Angel Tarot Show, exclusively on mindbodyspirit.fm.